0: So Kylie, well, thank you for, uh, so Kylie Lewis is uh, on our second podcast or third, or we don't know what kind of podcast where we're at a number wise, uh, where yeah. we're going to be at, but we're at the beginning of it. Yeah. And so, uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, are you from the Rockford area or?
1: Yes, uh, I was born and raised in Rockford Okay. Um, my whole life. Moved a lot, but always in the Rockford area.
0: Okay. And then graduated so. from what high school? Harlem. Harlem. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So that, okay. and what year did you graduate? Oh, eight. Oh, eight. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I was a little bit older than you. <laughs> <laughs> so I graduated in 86. So you went to and, Harlem too. Yeah. Well, okay. you know, and then I went back later on and, and worked at Harlem. Right. And, um, and so, uh, so in actually just recently I've been doing some talks back at Harlem for a couple different things. One is wellness and then also some of the, the suicide awareness, uh, that I'm working on so well before we get into too far because as I've talked about I've really wanted this podcast to be about getting to know people and getting to know their story um, of transformation and I know you've had a story of transformation as well Mm -hmm. Um, and so but before we get into that so what does Kylie do for fun if you if you're gonna you know not be doing all the different things that you're involved with um, what, what do you do for fun
1: For fun um It really, I think it really changes like, and when I say that, I mean like season to season even, Okay. because fun for me used to be so extravagant. Like it it had to be such a high of like, well, for fun, I go out to a concert and, and, you know, it has to be like elaborate and now fun is so simple. It's like, I watch TV with my boyfriend at night. Like that's fun for me.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Um, and so spending time with my boyfriend, spending time with my family, um, and connecting with women like that's fun for me like having a girl's lunch where we get into like deep conversation that is my favorite thing okay I can
0: uh I can definitely appreciate uh that part if uh I'll get to you know whatever kind of social gathering it is if I'll I'll count the night as a good night if i can get into some level of depth of conversation if it's all superficial conversation no matter how good the food is or whatever whatever the entertainment is i'm like it was okay but if it was if i could have a, a if i can learn more about somebody get to know someone more or mm-hmm. just get to know something about them more because mm-hmm. of the conversation oh like, all right that one counts that's a good one so
1: totally agree
0: so uh so so tell me a little bit you graduated from Harlem in 08 and and what was the what was kind of like if you think back to then that was a few years ago right and and so 10 years, 10 years ago, ago exactly and, 10 yeah. So what was uh what as, as you think back what was your focus what was your what was uh, a 10-year-old version of you that 17 18-year-old girl what was your main focus
1: Mm my heart is beating fast yeah. when i think about that. Uh so much comes up because i think as probably many 18-year-old girls, mm. i didn't have a clue what my sure. focus was. Okay. Um i'm very much into like if you see me now or if you see my life now, i'm very artistic, but yeah. back then it was just kind of um something i did at school that people knew that i was good at, like yeah. for fun okay. or in class i got good grades in art, but that was definitely not a focus of mine. Okay. Um, I think I knew at that point when I was graduating that almost all of my friends were going away to school and I knew that I was not. So I already started to feel a little bit lost and a little bit, um, behind, even though I was going to go to rock Valley, a community college. I just felt like I was already behind because I wasn't going to go away to university.
0: So the decision to go to Rock Valley, um, I, I went to Rock Valley too, and so, um, and I know my decision was influenced by a couple different things. So what what influenced you to go to, to go to Rock Valley, the community college, versus going away like all your friends? What was?
1: Um, I think it was a few different. Um, variables that played a role. One was that I didn't have a distinct major. Like I didn't know why I was going to school. Okay. So personally, I felt like I didn't want to waste my parents' money because I was like, well, if I go to w- go away to school, I don't even know what I'm going for. Okay. So I should probably start small. Right. Okay. And just kind of sure. ease my way into okay. it. Um, but also my sister, my older sister, she went away okay. and she knew she was going for nursing. Okay. So I think I think there was a, always this huge difference between um my sister's clarity of what she wanted to do since she was like 10 years old. Okay. was to follow in my mom's footsteps of being a nurse. Okay. And so I definitely envied her clarity, but I knew I did not want to be a nurse. Okay. So it's not like I could just jump on that. Sure. To get the clarity. Yeah. So I think I stayed back and I went to um community college because I was just curious, yeah. and I was also just not certain, so I didn't want to waste anyone's money. Okay, sure. <laughs> that was a huge okay. reason.
0: So, okay, so that during that time period, and I know a lot of times, you know, like for me, I was I was actively involved. I was competing as a bodybuilder. I was going to Rock Valley, but I was also working. So, at that time, were you you were going to school? Were you doing other things at that time? Were you were you working? Were you involved with other activities? What were you What were you doing at that time besides? not just besides, but mm-hmm. a lot of times there's opportunity when you're going to a community co- college to be working, doing other things, um, because school is just part of it, not the,
1: right. Um, I think that was around the time that I, uh, I was working a couple different jobs. Okay. Um, I worked at Dairy Queen. I worked at Save-A-Lot. Okay. I, uh, I worked at like an indoor sports center where I started to like manage things um, so I was definitely filling my time, but okay. there was nothing that I was working toward, I yeah. would say, on the side. Um, a lot of it was me going to visit my friends at colleges so I could experience the university okay. life. Okay. So, yeah, I would say there was nothing that I was really working toward. It was more so experiencing, yeah. um, which was fun. I got sure. to go and visit, you know, friends and get really drunk and <laughs> make a lot of bad decisions, but I felt like I was experiencing college without mm. actually having to be away at college. Okay. Um, but a year into that, I just, I felt kind of like, okay, the Rock Valley thing is, isn't enough for me and I, I okay. need to do something more. Okay. And that's when I came across, um, an internship at Disney world.
0: Really? I so, heard. Okay. I never knew about that. Okay, yeah. Right. That was
1: kind of my next step in okay. my life. Um, so I think I was a freshman in college and it was, partially to do with with rock valley they would give you like six credits or something like really small um which is not why i did it at all yeah um but i got to move Mm -hmm. and i had a purpose so instead of going away to school and wasting money i got to move to orlando and work at disney world which as a little girl growing up of course i was obsessed with disney and i went multiple times when i was little so this was like A dream. Um, And I also had a couple girls that went to Harlem that were older than me. Two girls in particular that went and they were both princesses at Disney. Okay. So that's what I saw myself doing at Disney. Um, And they held an audition in Chicago. Okay. Okay. My dad took me and it was like a full day thing from like eight in the morning till eight at night. And I had to dance and sing and act and all these different levels of the audition uh, experience. Okay. And so then um, you would basically, they would like cut you out, you know, you get cut throughout the day and I made it all the way through the day. So that was like good, good news. Yeah. But then at the end, um, they basically told me that I was not the right height for a princess because it's very specific. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I was too tall for one of the princesses, too short for another. And they're like, you know, sorry. And that was literally it. It was just sorry. You know, you can't be a princess. So that dream was shattered right there. Um, You can't be a princess. (laughs) You're not a princess. You're not fit for a princess.
0: (laughs) I think I just got stabbed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's funny to look back on all of it because that was... Um, that's a common thread I think throughout my journey and throughout my, my story, which I've now found is, um, really relatable. Like a wow. lot of women can relate sure. and probably men too, but just searching for that validation that I matter and that I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was definitely the start of me feeling like, you know, I was seeking that external validation and I, I got denied. Yeah. Okay. And, uh. I still wanted to go to Disney, okay. so I decided to just, they had an option for you to just do an over-the-phone interview, okay. and then you could just go there and work, and okay. you, they would just put you in a position. Okay. So I decided to do that, because I really had my heart set on going to work at Disney, okay. even if I couldn't be Cinderella. Sure. So I decided to go. I, um, I moved down there. You live in the apartments that Disney owns, and you basically... Uh, make minimum wage, and then you pay almost your entire paycheck to live in the building that they make you live in. Mm-hmm. So I was making little to no money at all, um, living with a group of girls. One girl was actually from Rockford, so that was cool. She okay. also went to Harlem. Okay. Um, but this was my first time away from home, so it was really scary, uh, really fun, also. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just, you know, an an experience for me to be at Disney world working and the position that they ended up putting me in. Um, my best friend loves to tell a story cause she, uh, loves to tell people that I wanted to be Cinderella and I ended up wearing a space suit and selling turkey legs at a concession <laughs> stand. Okay. <laughs> so that's the truth. Okay. Um, so that's what I did for about three months and I signed a contract for about six mm, months Okay, and, uh, I really didn't like the experience of working there True. simply because um, I just have this sense of, you know, when, I, when I'm done experiencing something or I, I've finished getting what I can get from it, which may have not been true. Um, I'm sure I could have soaked up more knowledge or experience Sorry. or whatever it is. Um, but I just felt like it was it was done teaching me what it needed to teach me after three months right. because okay. I was just simply standing at a cash register for a uh, Sometimes ten hours a day, okay. um, selling turkey legs. Gotcha. So I left early.
0: And I imagine, just as I've gotten to know you over time, I imagine even at that age, um, the interaction of just a, you know, just exchanging you know, well, turkey leg merchandise, you know, and and the conversation being fairly limited, mm. and the impact or just the relational part was probably minimal because. Everybody's yeah. there to be entertained and they're on vacation or whatever. So I imagine that I could see how that would pretty quickly, um, uh, run its course. Yeah. So, that, so then what, what happened after that? What'd you do after that?
1: Um, so I came home after the three months and I think, uh, also that experience of coming home was an interesting thing because to me, I felt like I kind of failed, mm. uh, when I told my parents I wanted to leave and, they, what would,
0: what's, what would have been success
1: well f- to give you an example the girl that I went down there with from rockford yeah. she still lives in florida okay and uh she stayed working at disney for years okay so a lot of the people that go and work at disney um move their way up and oh. then they they get into management or um just you know they they basically make a career out of it okay so part of me maybe thought that that was like a beginning of my career mm, okay. so I was searching still for that purpose okay and when I said I was giving up and then it, it wasn't my thing and I was coming home I felt like I was a little kid still okay and my family loves me and they wanted yeah. me home so sure. of course they're like sure, sure we'll help you move out yep. we'll come down and we'll pack your stuff yep. for you yep. which I was grateful for um in a, in a sense but I also felt like great I'm still a kid
0: yeah okay so and I and I I very much can identify with that idea of not knowing for sure what success would be, right? But the idea that I know I haven't achieved it mm-hmm. and it has, it's something that I missed again, something that happened. So I get, I get that piece. And it maybe it is, like you said, the ones that stayed and, and made a career out of it. But because we haven't talked to them, they may not have considered that a success because they still either weren't the princess or they just did it because the fear of coming home. Mm. unfulfilled right and True. um and so you went through that experience early on I mean and and so then then what was the next what was the next part of the journey
1: um I think an important piece to tell here is that that when right before I went down to Florida I actually met what was then my first boyfriend okay. my first real relationship ever okay. so I didn't date in high school um, my sister did and I kind of watched her go through a difficult relationship experience. Okay. So I kind of just stayed away from relationships. So when I met this person, he was living in Florida. Oh, okay. So when okay. I was living in Orlando, I would drive back and forth between Orlando and where he lived, which was a couple hours. Okay. Um, and then he ended up moving up to Rockford to live with me Okay. and my mom. Okay. So I'm 19 years old in my first relationship, which was two years long. We lived together. We we worked together. We shared a car. Okay. Um. And eventually, it was, I think, if everyone's an illusion, um, if every relationship is just a mirror for us to learn from. Sure. He, that relationship and he, um, his personality was showing me everything that I was afraid of in myself. Okay. Which was uh, destructive behaviors. Um eating junk all the time being maybe what i felt was lazy okay not having that purpose mm-hmm. and he was okay with it okay and in a maybe a great way that worked for him yeah um but i think in a in a really beautiful way it showed me what i didn't want
0: yeah
1: and that was to just be content with going to work at a bar and going to you know drive through somewhere for dinner and just chill out okay it made me like crazy inside so eventually I had to end that relationship sure and um I think from that I felt like this burst of energy of like a rebirth after two years of dating I guess at such a young age um and the way that I used that energy kind of sent me into what is the next step okay um which was still seeking external validation
0: right you said something interesting and I think, um, and you put it great on this idea that the people in our lives, um, can very well mirror back to us, um, things that maybe we need to work on. Right. And, um, and then especially young when, when things, uh, maybe not young, um, anytime in our life, when we're at that raw standpoint of our life, those, the, the individuals will appear, and and we gravitate toward them because there's, there's a comfort level right and there's mm-hmm. a and it's a there may be even an acceptance level that comfort level and um or maybe um familiar is probably a better word but if that's only that part that's undeveloped in us or it's our it's our shortcut then at some point it won't it won't fit for us we have to we have to end that relationship. We have to move on. We have to end that job. It it, it does okay for a time period, but it it it's not the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens? So that relationship ends, and all relationships, no matter if they're the right ones or the wrong, whatever, um, it's it's not easy, right? Because mm-hmm. you question yourself and all those things. And but you you've you've shared a couple times now. You've said this idea of circ seeking purpose and there was a couple of things that you knew what you didn't want but you didn't know for sure what you wanted Mm -hmm. and so there was this I'm I'm seeing this picture of you on this journey of all right where do I fit into the world where what's my specific what am I supposed to be doing and and so um, I know that today right uh, it seems like you're doing you're in a much uh, much more moving in that direction. Um, so two questions, one, why don't you give us just a little bit of right, what is that today that you're spending a lot of time doing? And then what was that thing that maybe it was that relationship, maybe it was something else. What, what were the t- kind of the transformational things that, um, that, that allowed that to happen?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll start with the first one then. Um, right now I, I would say that, and I actually wrote this down yesterday, that I'm remembering that my only purpose is to love and to be loved. Okay. And if I would have said that five years ago, I'd sure. be like, girl, you are crazy. Sure. What are you talking about? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and I felt that all along. I think we all do. Like it even like it almost puts tears in my eyes because it's like it it's so just it, it's so basic. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's so obvious. Right. But it's so true. Yeah. And if you really can remind yourself, and I say remind very intentionally, um, because you forget over and over again. And that's what any negative emotion feels like, is is you forgetting that your only purpose is to love and be loved.
0: Not to interrupt you, but a couple years ago I was meditating. It was a Saturday morning I was meditating, and um, that's what came to me. What you just said was what came to me was this idea of because i think i was i was searching it was it was during a time period when i when i was in transition career-wise and this idea of okay what am i okay god what do you what do you want me to do next what's my next what how am i supposed to evolve what am i supposed to evolve into and clearly the message was you you just have to allow yourself to be loved and to love Mm. and then like a I don't know, a week later, two weeks later, whatever, month later, I ended up going to a men's conference at, I think it's called City First now. You know, it used to be the old First Assembly. And they had a speaker named Bob Goff who wrote a book called Love Does. And in his whole, I hadn't read the book. And, um, and that was what that message was about. So it solidified what the message I got and similar to what you said. And it, I think, it's. They're so easy to lose track. Or, or what is that to allow yourself to be loved, and to love? What is? Because it's like it's. To me, it's more fluid than it is. Steps, right? Mm-hmm. It's. It's a much. It's. It's messy, and it's not. Right. So. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, when you say that, I think about um, actually a book called Open Wide, which I've not read, but I listened to Melissa Ambrosini. Is her name? Her mm-hmm. podcast. Okay. So I understand what the message of the book is, and that is this feeling. I mean, I I agree that idea of to to love or to be loved is very fluid, so it's hard to really pinpoint what does Mm -hmm. that mean. But I think on a a physical level, like in the body, you can feel Mm -hmm. what it means to either love or to be resistant to love. Mm -hmm. And that feels... When, when you feel loving or, or open to love, you're literally open, like your your shoulders are broad, yeah. your breath is deep and full in your diaphragm, um, your face is relaxed, your jaw is not clenched. And then the opposite is also true. If you're feeling afraid, if you're feeling in fight or flight or resistant to love, you'll feel contracted mm-hmm. physically. Yeah. So I think that for people who maybe don't understand what does that mean or they think it's woo woo or something weird that some girl that does yoga and meditates says um on a very basic tangible level it is a physical feeling right. I think.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I've been I've been teaching some classes um on um, for educators on how to for self-care and we talk about that um, not about necessarily the love piece, but about the idea that um, when we're in that fight or flight, um, then we're going to be uh, more sensitive um, to overstimulation, more sensitive to other things. And and, and just like you just described, we're going to be constricted. Mm-hmm. But when we are in that space where we're more open, um, we can be more, and in, in, in particular with that audience, they can be more open to... Um, what their students are bringing them, what what is happening, and be more of a create in a creative process. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I definitely think there is a physical element to that. So when we're in a relationship or in a situation where either a real fear or a projected fear, um, uh, my perception is my reality. And so if I fear that this person, you know, is not in it, in it the same way I am, or I'm unsure. Um, I think I'm not feeling loved. I may feel, I may want that. I want this person to love me like how I care for them. Um, but I may not be experiencing because I'm, I'm fearful all the time. Mm -hmm. And I know that's been my experience in, in previous relationships or even at the beginning of my relationship with my wife now. Um, I don't know if I, I knew this is who I was supposed to be with. Um, but I don't know if I trusted, trusted. Mm -hmm. So that love and that trust, um, we're we walking hand in hand until I could until I could wrestle with that. So. Mm-hmm. All right, so we got off on a tangent. yeah, okay. which I was gonna say that's yeah, the, a whole another yeah. <laughs> conversation that I've experienced. So, so um, so,
1: the second thing you asked me was how did I get here? Like, yeah, what?
0: yeah, like what are like with what you're doing now? You you you're teaching art classes as you mentioned, and and working with women, and and teaching yoga, and so and what was if there was a You know, I know there's multitude of things, and especially now looking back on it, there's a lot of things. But what, Mm -hmm. um, what would be one or one or two things as you transitioned from who Kylie was 10 years ago in high school, not knowing where now it seems to be, at least from an outsider, there's you seem to have more of a sense of purpose and direction. And so, Mm -hmm. where where was um, we were talking earlier? I was talking uh, to Dalton earlier about this idea of the hero's journey. And I know you're familiar with that to a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. Joseph Campbell's work. So what, uh, what's for you, what was that initiation process going from not knowing, or at least having a direction of knowing?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's, to me, it's very distinct of when it happened. Um, and it was about six years ago when I continued on that, that journey of kind of like learning that same lesson Until you finally get it. Like Mm. how Oprah talks about the universe or God will, uh, you know, whisper in your ear and Mm. then then tap you on the shoulder Mm. and then like throw a brick upside your head, you know. So, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that was kind of uh, the experience that I got to was um, when I went to seek external validation in maybe like a larger stage. So it felt like it had to be it finally. Okay. And that was to go on uh, ABC's The Bachelor television show.
0: Okay. Some people would say that's a larger stage than Disney, but uh, other people well, might argue, right, yes. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so, but sure, no, I understand. Yeah, yeah.
1: and Disney owns it. So I mean, oh, maybe it's... Maybe that is kind of... Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> just for a different segment of pri- wannabe princesses, right? Right, <laughs> right. So.
1: It was like the updated princess uh, okay, version. Okay, The older, yeah, version. So either way I had watched the show for 11 years. Um, it was like a weekly thing I would sit and watch with my family. So it became like this, um, idea of something totally separate from me. So when I broke that barrier and I actually went and auditioned and then I was, I was actually cast for the show, um, which I could obviously go into all the details of that and all the the lessons that came up within that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and how, how I realized how naive I was and, and the way that I trusted and I, I shouldn't have. And Mm -hmm. so many things were learned, but when that didn't go as planned, and if you were to ask me the same thing, why wasn't I, why didn't I feel successful with that? That one was a very clear Mm -hmm. thing. Um, you get a rose, you stay, you don't get a rose, you go home. There's however many episodes you can make it you know a yep. uh, very variation of different amounts of time and i didn't even make it to the first uh, past ceremony. the first round right or, so yeah. no rose for me yeah yeah ever okay, okay. <laughs> um and then within that i i and i think this is important to point out because to me this is one of my this was one of my biggest fears mm-hmm. was to be embarrassed okay um and when i did not receive a rose i thought my name was called for a rose so okay. i walked up Okay. And then he was like, oh, I didn't say your name. I, saw, I said someone else's name. Okay. So for me, that was like one of the worst moments of my entire life okay. because I just felt so embarrassed, yeah. which then tapped into all the reasons why I was seeking external validation in the first place because I just mm-hmm. didn't feel good enough ever. Yeah. Um, and that really, from that point forward, when I came home from uh, filming that, I began to just unravel. Sure. Um, and I just went deeper into all of the destructive habits that I had already been, uh, partaking in. Okay. And it got to a point where I knew that I had to stop what I was doing or I was probably not going to survive, Mm -hmm. um, physically, emotionally. It just wasn't going well and I hid it really well. So no one really knew what Mm -hmm. was going on, um, which then led me to, uh, my, my current boyfriend, who was just a friend at the time, mm-hmm. was around and we had been in communication when I was going on the show, so he kind of knew what was going on. But when I came home and time went on and I, I realized that I needed to make a change, he was the only person, and I mean this with all respect to all of my friends and all of my family, but they, they had a vested interest in how they would interact with me. Mm-hmm. And they loved me so much for all of my life that they, um, were incapable of showing me the harsh strength and truth that I really needed mm-hmm. at that time. And he, my current boyfriend, um, Dalton was the only person that was able to tell me the truth
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and to demand strength from me in a way that I had never felt before. Okay. And, um, when I felt that connection with him and that strength within him, I knew that I was safe mm-hmm. enough to let go of all the destructive habits that mm-hmm. I was doing, which mm-hmm. was a long list. Sure. So I um, I have my own podcast called Coming Clean, and that's where the name comes from. Because okay. within about a week, a week's time, I stopped taking antidepressants. I sold my Land Rover that I thought made me so cool. Um, <laughs> I donated a bunch of my clothes. I threw away a lot of my makeup. I mean, I, I just stopped everything, mm-hmm. and I could go on, but I just felt like that was really my, uh, mm-hmm. m- maybe that was my initiation. Sure. Um, I just, I, I was starting fresh. Right. And that was five years ago. Yeah. So a lot has happened since.
0: And I imagine and, and, and definitely uh, hope you'd be willing to come back and, and talk more about that piece. And, you know, when I when I just heard what you said about this idea, both stories, right? The the Disney, um, or actually it was in Chicago for the Disney, the princess. And if it came down all the way down to the, the height requirement, right? And then what happened on The Bachelor, um, you know, you, you were selected... In both those cases, you were selected, and then and then there was this step where not enough,
1: mm, right? Yeah.
0: And so, um, I definitely would love to have you come back on and talk more about that because, um, as I, because we have those moments, and then the last five years also probably has a couple learning lessons as well. And so, because uh, it's it's not easy to let go of those things um, because they come back up sideways regardless if it's some success or or whatever whatever it may be. So, Kylie, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, I know that there's going to be people listening who are going to want to hear more about your story as well as hear about um, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, and hopefully we can have you come back on and share more about I what's happening. I love that. So thanks, thanks again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. thanks. Bye-bye.